Well, we're here on episode six of the Roaring Twenties podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with Ryan Crothers. That interview coming up in just a second, the all-time leading point scorer in Royals history, 273 points over his five-season career with the Reading Royals. And some significant news today being made for the Royals organization announcing their new 20th anniversary logo. And it is stunningly beautiful, in my opinion. Purple shield with orange lining. First time in the lineage of Royals history that they're incorporating the orange on a shield logo like this so prominently as their primary logo for the 20th anniversary season. Still featuring the purple lion head with the black crown that's now lined in orange as well, celebrating the affiliation colors of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And season tickets, group tickets, and flex tickets are now on sale for the 2020-2021 season coming up this fall at Santander Arena. Information at RoyalsHockey.com or by calling the ticket office, and we will uh, make sure to get back to you to answer all your frequently asked questions and needs. But without further ado, it's time for Ryan Crothers. We're here with Ryan Crothers on the Roaring Twenties podcast, examining the people that have shaped Royals hockey over the last 20 seasons. Big announcement today with the anniversary logo, and I feel like it's uh, fitting to be talking to one of the uh, best players in Royals history, all-time leading point scorer. Ryan, first of all, how's the family? How's everything going? We know you're uh, down in Charlotte right now riding this thing out. Yeah, everything's uh, as good as it can be. Obviously, there are tough times for everybody, um, but trying to make the most of it and uh you know down in charlotte spending time there and you know not not much to do right now so it's it's quiet and hopefully everybody back in reading is safe and staying safe and everyone's well and uh same here just trying to stay healthy what's uh we were talking to steven swavely yesterday i know a friend of uh, <laughs> a friend of yours yeah. and uh we, we had him on facebook live and uh we were joking around with him asking uh about what's the one thing that he's been doing more during quarantine maybe than uh, than he has in the past. He says he's been playing a lot of Fortnite lately. I don't know if there's any, whether it's a good or bad habit that you've kind of been kind of been doing, maybe some more exercise here or there. What's it, uh, what's, what, what have you been picking up that maybe you were trying to do a little bit more in season? I think, uh, I think exercise is it, you know, just, um, you know, trying to stay healthy, like I said, and, you know, you, you read some of the stuff and look at it and, they're saying that the best thing you could do is kind of exercise and distance yourself. And that's really what I've been doing. Um, I'm probably in better shape now than I was back when I played in Reading. It's, uh, it's all you can really do right now. So um, a lot of that, um, been doing a lot of these uh, webinars, you know, that the NHL Coaches Association is putting on um, that typically you would kind of get some of this information at the draft. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to go the last couple of years, but they're doing some of these uh, webinars with some of the uh, NHL coaches on different topics and subjects. So it's, it's a chance to learn and, and get better as a hockey coach um, kind of while we're shut down here. So that's kind of been a cool opportunity for me. Everybody has a story of uh, where they were when maybe they found out the Rudy Gobert thing or found out the NHL news. Obviously you're an assistant coach at Robert Morris uh, for the Royal staff. It was, you know, get ready for a game there. Uh, we were getting ready to play Norfolk on uh, the Friday the 13th and everything got canceled on Thursday and the Rudy Gobert thing happened on Wednesday. So where were you when uh, with Robert Morris when everything everything went down? So we were moving. We were in the uh, the second round of the playoffs 
and we were at Sacred Heart uh, about to play where the Bridgeport Sound Tigers play, uh, Webster Bank. Uh, we were supposed to have a game that Thursday night. Uh, so we were actually had just gotten to the rink. We we're going to do a pregame skate, um, jumped on the ice there, went back to the hotel. Uh, pregame meal had started when we got the news. Um, and just like that, you know, it was over. So we were the first series uh, to start in the second round. And so we were, we were game day um, and got the news, like I said, pregame meal. And kind of at shock at first it's just a really weird way for a season to end and nothing that you could prepare for and we had felt good we had won our last two games in, in the previous series and we felt we had some momentum and what's really tough is for the seniors right that's their last crack at it and it's just taken away there's no preparing for your last game or thinking about the moment you, you think you're about to get into a series and then all of a sudden it's taken away so um, definitely a different experience I know for you guys too you mentioned the momentum at the end of the season um, you guys were kind of trending maybe pretty similarly to the last few years, um, but some progress there at the end. How did you feel the team Robert Morris had picked up over the course of the season and what you learned in your first season of being an assistant coach in the NCAA? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. We were, we were trending in the right direction at that time. We, we had a really good start, uh, especially in league play. We dropped our first two games to, to a very good team and and then we then we really picked it up and we're playing some really good hockey kind of limped into Christmas and then then coming out of Christmas break um, we really were struggling and it just seemed like we were starting to find our game a little bit and uh, like I said we dropped game on the playoffs and won the last two and um, to win the first series against Holy Cross and then just taken away but you know it's kind of a trend that Robert Morris um, that you alluded to like they've had slow starts and this was my first year with them so um, can't speak too much to the history as to why, but, um, you know, good starts and then slow around Christmas. And then somehow, you know, last six years in a row, they've found a way to get to uh, the finals of Atlantic hockey. And for me this year, with it being my first year, I, I got to witness it. Um, and I think that's something that I learned too, is, is we got to find a way to get guys going right at, after Christmas break. And there's got to be a way to kind of sustain some early season success and start the second half of the year the way you start the beginning of the year so that's something that we got to dive into as a staff and figure out how to keep positive momentum going uh, over a, a long break for us um, and you know what the college game's a lot different than the pro game a lot different than the junior game which I was very used to and that you know you make a commitment to a player and he's with you for four years and no coach likes to trade players you know whether it's at the ECHL level or NHL or you know junior hockey no one wants to trade somebody away that you invested time and effort and energy into and um, in college though there's there's no opportunity to trade them and you know we we don't cut kids and um, so sometimes you know when you're filling out your game day roster maybe a guy's in the stands for a little bit longer than you'd like um, you got to find ways to keep guys motivated and happy and um, the season's short too you know, you could play a Friday, Saturday, and you're not going to play till Friday, Saturday again, where at the pro level and junior level, you might have that Wednesday game in there. You may have a school game in there. So for me, it was, it was just that constant, you play two games, it's over. You have a whole week to prepare, two games, it's over. So it's, it's just a different mindset and it's a shortened season and you got to, and it's a larger roster. You got to find ways to keep guys competing all week long in practice so that they can bring it on the weekend. And uh, the thing that strikes me the most, and this could just be if you went on, 
you know, your elite prospects pages. Obviously, there's a lot of stops in the playing career, but the last few years, there's been a lot of stops in the coaching career, too. Um, obviously, you know, yeah. you're down in Charlotte. Uh, you were with the Royals for that time at the end of the 16-17 uh, season. Uh, you and K-Mac getting off the ground, uh, having some fun down in Norfolk that first weekend, making sure the guys were stay, yeah. staying uh, out of trouble. And then uh, after that, you know, going to Fayetteville in the SP, Chicago Steel, uh, in the USHL, right next to uh, you know, 30 minutes west or 30 miles west of uh, the city, and then Corpus, and now up in Robert Morris. So it must be kind of nice to probably just uh, settle down, maybe, and know you know you're kind of maybe static for a little bit at Robert Morris. I could imagine, right? Yeah, you know, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I've gotten a lot of job opportunities. I haven't been fired yet in the coaching world. Um, I'm sure that'll come eventually as, as all coaches end up having their day, but I've been really fortunate um, in terms of getting opportunities. I've been really fortunate with the players that have played for me have all helped me grow as a coach and they've helped me progress in my career. Um, in a very short period of time, I've gotten experience at almost every level and I'm very thankful for that. And it gives you a really good outlook on kind of what you want to do in life and, and what's important and maybe the different roles you want to play in, in coaching and, and what level you see yourself best suited for. So I've been able to learn a lot over, you know, my years since leaving Reading and um, all of them have been great and all of them have really shaped kind of my coaching philosophy and given me the information needed to kind of decide where I want to just sit down, settle and, and coach and, and hopefully make an impact on players' lives. Wanted to go back a little bit to when you first joined the Royals because your rookie year of pro, um, well, you came out of Robert Morris, a couple games with Utah, then you were in Mississippi uh, with the Seawolves, old uh, e- ECHL team in 08-09. You joined the Royals yeah. in 09-10, uh, which was the Larry's first year with the team, um, La- Larry's first full season with the team, I should say. He was hired midway through 08-09. But how would you characterize your career up to the point where – you jo- uh, decided to join the Royals in 0910. Um, you know what? It was um, it was all new to me. Like I didn't have anyone in my family that that had played professional hockey or knew kind of what the ECHL was, and I really started learning it. I guess kind of my my second year at Army, there was guys that I had played juniors with. You know, when I was young, that were starting to sign some pro deals, and I was looking at some things. And then as I got to Robert Morris. Um, you start to see guys play and kind of wheeling nailers were down the road. So um, we had a couple guys leave and go play there, you know, right after the season. So um, for me, it was different. I, I, I graduated. Well, I don't want to say graduated. I played my last college game and then I went to Utah for, I think, four games, five games. Um, I went to Bridgeport um, right after that fourth or fifth game and then was a healthy scratch there for a couple of days and then um, right back to Utah for playoffs um, which was important to me um, to get that experience it was a great experience we had a really good team we had a lot of guys on that team that ended up going on to play uh, in the NHL and in, in some big leagues so it was um, in Europe as well so that was really cool for me it was eye-opening because I didn't know much about it so that Utah experience was great I, I played for Jason Christie who was a great coach um, was really good with me and then uh, you know I got traded to Mississippi in that summer um, you know the intention was that I would be a free agent in Utah kind of protected my rights and um, there was an opportunity to go to Mississippi and play down there with uh, some guys that I knew you know from previous stops in college and junior so I went down there and that was a great experience for me 
uh, it was a pretty young team, gave me an opportunity to, to play a major role right away and um, was able to be ECHL All-Star that year. And the game was actually in Reading, which was, uh, which was really cool because you know how close that is to New York where my family is. So they were all able to come. And um, that's really kind of when it like took off a little bit. And then next thing you know, I leave the All-Star game in Reading and we find out that Mississippi is going to fold at the end of the year. Um, so it's actually a funny story with Larry and I, I talk to Larry every week still, but the first couple of times he called me, you know, I thought I was a free agent at the end of that Mississippi year because the team folded and I thought, okay, I'm going to have an opportunity to kind of, if I'm in the East coast league, kind of pick where I want to go. And, uh, we had a night out in New York city with a few of the guys I played junior hockey with that were all playing in the ECHL or American league. And the next morning, after having dinner with those guys and a, and a night in New York city, I got a phone call from uh, a number. I didn't have on my phone and just said, Hey, this is Larry Carville. And uh, just want to let you know, you've been traded to the Reading Royals. And I actually hung up on him two times because I just thought it was the guys playing a joke uh, from the night before. And next thing you know, it was really Larry Carville. And that's kind of how our relationship started. And um, it was funny. And, and, you know, Larry was just getting into his first, full season so he was doing whatever he could salary wise and whatnot and I ended up deciding you know between Europe and then Europe kind of fell through so I went to Texas in the Central League for three four games I think four games there and um, I called Larry and Larry didn't like some of the guys he had brought in initially I didn't like my situation in Texas and I went to Reading and the, the rest is kind of history you know it was the rest of my career was pretty much spent there besides uh you know, a trade deadline trade to Alaska that Larry worked with me for, and then um, lockout year in Orlando, and then back to Reading to be a hockey director. And next thing you know, I playing for the Rose for a couple more years. So it's kind of crazy how it all unfolded. So you're where? So you said you were you were got a call. You thought it was the guys playing a prank, but at what point did you realize that this thing was actually real? That you had been traded to Reading. He was, he just, I think the third time he called, it's just back to back. He's like, seriously, don't hang up. Let me explain. And he's like, it's, uh, you got traded for a future considerations trade. And we have your rights. And it was just, it was funny. You know, we laugh about it to this day. But, um, yeah, it was just funny how the whole thing unfolded from going from thinking you're going to be a free agent to, to Larry calling you. And, and I would have never imagined that. You know, that phone call that day, uh, I talked to Larry 48 hours ago. We still stay in touch constantly and FaceTime. And um, he was a big part of my life. He was uh, a coach I had the longest tenure with, and um, I got a lot of respect for Larry. I know, obviously, you know, his. it's it doesn't even need to be said what he's meant to the uh, the Royals organization uh, what and even, you know, how even – the good relationship he has with K-Mac, how he's, you know, helped K-Mac get his start in coaching and et cetera. But, you know, you're a coach now. What did you pick up from Larry when you were playing that helped you become a coach? I think with him, um, you know, something I learned, like I wasn't, I hadn't been an assistant coach until this year and all my stops had been head coaching jobs. And actually the first job I took in Charlotte, I got the offer on Larry's deck and, Hershey there or wherever he's technically from um, I was over there for a barbecue and got the call and he kind of mentored me and to what and if we thought it was a good opportunity and it was and um, I think for Larry what he taught me as a head coach was to trust the people around you and give them tasks and, and help them and 
trust the people around you. And I think that's something Larry's been very good at. He's surrounded himself with good assistants. You look, he had Tim Branham, who's been a head coach in the East Coast League for a long time now. Uh, like you mentioned, K-Mac, he's been a great coach. Um, myself, um, you know, he coached Patrick Weller, who's, you know, over in uh, in Hershey, right? So he's, he's kind of have his fingerprints on a lot of good coaches um, because he communicates so well with his players. Um, I think that's something that people don't realize how good of a communicator with his players he was. Uh, maybe not necessarily everything else going around, but he really cared about the guys in the room. He wanted to be around the guys in the room, and he, and he showed the guys that he cared about them. And um, that's kind of the stuff that I've taken with me is to show my players that I care, um, trust the assistant coaches around me, and give them opportunities to work with some tasks and stuff like that and give them things to do rather than just them there to push pucks and support you, give them things so that they can start getting experience. And I think Larry was really good at that. So I know you were brought up the trade deadline, uh, you know, moved to Alaska here with Orlando in 12, 13. Um, but you essentially came out of retirement kind of early December, uh, you know, late November of 2013. It was the year after the Royals had won the cup. Um, what happened there? If you could take us back, how did you end up deciding to, you know, come back and, and, you know, you ultimately finish your career with Reading playing? Um, you know, I took it. I, I had always stayed in Reading in the summers and, uh, I did some camps and clinics at, and some summer teams with youth hockey players at body zone. And then, um, Body Zone had lost their hockey director, and that position was available. And when I was up in Reading uh, with the Solar Bears, I interviewed for the position and got it. So I had known that I was going to go back to Reading. Uh, we had a lot of friends there outside of hockey, uh, again, close to home, and uh, an opportunity to, to come back to a place that had been my home for a while. So I took a hockey director job there, um, rebranded the youth hockey program there to the, to the Junior Royals, um, you know, worked a lot with the Royals organization and our branding and our logos and all that and um, experiences at the arena um, and just had no intentions of really playing again, you know, and talking to Larry and coming back to be the hockey director, you know, we would always joke like, yeah, I wonder when I'm going to need you for an emergency guy or whatever. And he called me and said, Hey, I think I'm going to need you Friday night in Wheeling. Can you play? I said, yeah, no problem. He goes, all right, come to practice tomorrow or whatever day it was I came went there and ended up having a, a pretty good game um got on the bus he goes hey you're playing again tomorrow I know you're home you're in Reading I'm like <laughs> why not like now I got a chance to play in Reading like this is perfect um played that game I had a had a decent game again I believe and then he's like why don't you just stay on the team <laughs> like all right let's do it um I missed it so much the minute I got back in the locker room you know with the guys and being around Larry and the team it was K-Mac it was just like this is awesome um I don't ever want to stop playing so then I ended up playing for another year and a half or so and um it was great it was it was the best the perfect storm best thing that could have happened to me was going back to Reading and being able to retire as a Royal um was super important to me and I didn't know if I'd ever have that opportunity and um the organization gave me that opportunity and I couldn't be more thankful because it, it was my whole career was pretty much spent there man I didn't even realize I just pulled up the box score so yeah you scored the in your first game back after you know essentially coming out of retirement uh you scored uh, a little bit more than halfway through the third period tied the game at two uh TJ Siner ended up scoring uh <laughs> to tie the game 
or yes, to tie the game um, at three after Wheeling had taken the lead, uh, 14-52 of the third. Um, but you get three points in your first game, and then the next night you get home at four in the morning from Wheeling or three in the morning, and you put up two assists the next game against Fort Wayne. I mean, uh, what got into you it that was, weekend, It right? was really cool. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll never forget those two days. I mean, it was good. There was guys in the locker room that I still played with, and it was a, it was a really good team too. Um, so that made it easy, and um, it was just fun, like, to go back and to, to play at home and in front of friends, family, and then at that time playing in front of kids that were playing for my youth program was really cool. And something that a lot of people don't know, like I, I think Swaves probably knows it. Um, some people in town, like when I was working at Body Zone, as we started to kind of look, I saw some of the Royals were – there were some injuries, some call-ups, whatever. I talked to Larry a little bit. I was actually playing in the Amish Hockey League at Body Zone. Like no, nobody knows that there was a Amish Hockey League there one. Uh, we used to call it the AHL, um, and it was uh, it was all Amish, um, and they let me play in the league, and um, that's where I was trying to get back in shape to play. So uh, it was pretty funny how I went from that to, to playing in Wheeling one night. That's absolutely hysterical. I had to turn my mic off here, kind of hit the cough button, just so uh, I wouldn't just laugh over <laughs> when you said the AHL. That's that's a, how did you end up yeah. even? How that even end up happening? That you end up playing in the Amish Hockey League, the the AHL of the Body Zone, uh, to keep yourself yeah, going. I didn't, I didn't even know about it. I I'm the hockey director there. I didn't work with the men's leagues at all, or the Amish Hockey League. And uh, Jason Bowman, who I who still works over there, he. Uh, he goes, yeah, the Amish League's starting up tonight. I'm like, what's that? They're like, you got to see this. You didn't hear about it? Like, they they play so hard, competitive. Um, I learned a lot about their culture and um, stuff like that. And it was, uh, I mean, they get fans too. Like, like the whole everyone would come, and it would be there'd be over a hundred people watching a game. Um, and it was pretty interesting and unique, and uh, it was very competitive. Um, and then next thing you know, it's uh, time to play for the Royals. So it was, uh, yeah, it doesn't show up on elite prospects, but there were some AHL games played in the Amish Hockey League. <laughs> that's that's excellent. That's absolutely hysterical. Uh, I, yeah. got, I had one from Pat Richards uh, that he wanted to ask, then wanted to ask a little bit about that last uh, that last weekend uh, where K-Mac became the head coach. But um, Pat Richards, uh, longtime color commentator, he's awesome. Seventeen years going on, yeah, eighteen years with the organization. By the way, as you were telling the story, I just texted him, "This pod's a must listen." The Amish Hockey League makes an appearance. He, I don't even know if he's going to know what that means, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of people that I got to find out if that's still going on. Someone's got to find out if they're still having that. But um, yeah, the name of my team was the Storm, and uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. I think. Swavely definitely knows about it. Uh, I don't know how many other guys are uh, too in tune with it. When you were playing in Orlando, uh, again, I said I was giving a little bit of a nod to Pat here because uh, he yeah. grew up a big St. Louis Blues fan, still is uh, perhaps the defending Stanley Cup champions for the uh, foreseeable future. But uh, he was asking about Ryan Reeves, uh, who played with uh, you in Orlando there. Um, what yeah. was it like? Uh, what was that like, getting a little bit of a taste of uh, – Ryan Reeves, one of the fiercest guys on the show now. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. He was a, a great teammate, great guy. Spent a lot of time with him uh, outside of the rink. Uh, we were pretty close down in Orlando. Um, he was my line mate too. Like I, what was nice about Orlando was um, 
I had a lot of tough guys on our team. Drake Berhowski was our coach, and you know we had Mike Leambis uh, was on my left wing. Ryan Reeves was on the right. Um, I actually, you know, it, you could kind of go around and not have to worry too much. Like going back to Reading, they had a ton of tough guys, and that team was great. Obviously, won a Kelly Cup. Um, but when you have Ryan Reeves next to you, you can play with a little more confidence and get away with a little bit more. And um, genuinely nice guy, really good guy. Um, came down there with. Didn't have an ego um, down there during the lockout, and uh, he was great for our group. He was just great day to day, and it's kind of opens your eyes when you're in the East Coast. So you can watch on TV all you want, but when you see it up, you know. And for him too, like he had a battle to get there um, back in the day to, to become a constant mainstay in the NHL. And to watch a guy like that um, and what it takes, it kind of opens your eyes uh, later in my career, and obviously out of my sights. But for young guys, I think it was great to see what an actual NHL looks like day to day. And he didn't, he didn't have to fight. He wasn't going to fight. Um, it was just, he was just above that. Um, he was there to stay in shape and work on some other parts of his game, but really, really great guy off the ice, really genuine and, uh, unbelievable teammate. Yeah. A guy that uh, got his start playing with Peoria in Alaska after he uh, got out of Brandon in the uh, Western hockey league. But anyway, uh, Pat will, Pat will enjoy that when he listens. Uh, so, yeah. In 16-17, obviously you joined K-Mac there uh, right at the end of the season, um, and you were there for the playoffs. But uh, So you get your start, and it's the first weekend when you guys are down in Norfolk. And uh, I know you guys, there's a little bit of a famous story where you guys kind of staked out in the hotel there to make sure uh, everybody was, uh, everybody would be on their game for the, uh, for the first, uh, the first night of the three, uh, three games against Norfolk, right? Yeah, we, it was the hotel was under renovations too, um, and we we had to make sure like it was uh, K Mac just getting thrown into it. We're down in a pretty good city, um, so we kind of staked out, and I I think a lot's changed since then. And it was just it was crazy how quick it all happened. I had just finished my season, um, and next thing you know, I'm up there. I just won a championship with my Charlotte team. And, this all happens one, you know, with Larry and then two with K Mac. And then it's like, you know what, you know, the systems, nothing's going to change much when you come up and help out. And then we're like, Oh geez, we're in Norfolk on our first trip and we got games and it's a pretty nice city to go grab dinner and, and get into some things. So we staked it out. We found a nice little spot to keep an eye out. And uh, it was funny. It was a funny way to start the East coast league coaching uh, career. Yeah. I was going to say too, I know, uh, you know, just made sure the guys got to bed on time. Nothing, nothing crazy or anything like that. Because that, as K Max said, that's probably the of all the Royals' opponents uh, that they would see. You know, on somewhat of a normal basis, Norfolk is uh, Norfolk's a tough one to uh, to start at and have to lay the hammer down. But um, you know, obviously, you finish that season uh, with the Royals, sixteen seventeen, um, and then I know obviously you're still involved with the Charlotte Rush, but then afterwards you know going to Fayetteville Chicago eventually um you know how did what what was sort of the discussion point after that about maybe how you ended up moving on and becoming you know a head coach in other locations as opposed to what if you had decided to hang out with you know K-Mac and be an assistant coach the next year uh, you know in 17-18 sort of what happened there yeah I think uh, what it was for me was um just the opportunity, you know, I, you know, drop of a hat, I'm there to help K-Mac and, and always would be. And, but I just won in Charlotte and I really liked that junior level. 
Um, I like kind of the momentum. Um, there were some things in the summer that I was going to, you know, partake in to help advance my career um, at a junior level. And I had a group of guys that I won with and, and a lot were potentially coming back. So I just thought, um, why, why rush it and um, just kind of see what happens. Um, and then next thing you know, by, by Christmas and then next year, I'm a, a head coach in the USHL, you know, um, best junior league in, in, the, in North America. Um, and you're dealing with, you know, every kid on your team is a division one player and kids are getting drafted and you have draft picks on your team. And that's a whole nother beast in itself. And um, what an unbelievable experience that was. And kind of in the meantime, before Chicago, you mentioned Fayetteville, um, a guy that lives in my town in North Carolina, um, you know, he purchased Fayetteville. He was, uh, he was in the army and was based there. And now he went back and bought the team and has really turned that franchise into a very strong franchise with the marksman. They had a very good year this year, but um, just needed some help. I ended up um, hiring a line mate from Alaska while I was there and Nick Mazzolini. And then that didn't work out. And then, found myself on the bench with the marksman a couple times coaching and then um eventually once chicago happened you know that's a ushl is a full-time thing and um kind of all the other things i was had my hands in to give me an opportunity to get to a higher level i kind of walked away from it just strictly focused on being a head coach in that league additionally a couple more uh so obviously you know the null and then then in uh, robert morris last year um but one of the ways that you've still stayed involved, I know we were joking around about, you know, body zone and stuff like that um, in the Amish Hockey League there, but uh, just a couple of days ago, um, Jason Garente from the uh, Reading Eagle um, did a story about a, a, a gentleman, Ty Loftus, coming down to play for you guys down in uh, Charlotte with the Rush, and uh, you still have an impact on a lot of Berks County kids. Ty went, uh, is a Schuylkill Valley uh, uh, product out of Schuylkill Va- Valley and there's been a number of sort of Berks County area guys that you know you've taken under your wing kind of as a mentor and helped them advance their careers um, you could just talk a little bit about that why you do it why it's important for you to do it and you know how it ends up ultimately helping the rush that would be awesome yeah they all kind of uh, they all intertwine when I went back to Reading um like I said, those summers I spent in Reading while I was playing there working with youth, I got to meet a lot of uh, families and myself and former Royal Matt Hernison had some summer teams that we put together. Um, and he was the hockey director before I was. Um, and we had, you know, some good summer teams with some good young kids, including Ty. Um, and then when I became the hockey director, um, those kids played for me. And those were the first kids that I truly coached day in and day out. So I had a a connection to them and their families because you know they kind of grew with me through my growing pains as a coach and um, giving their kids the best opportunity uh, to succeed and a lot of that group um, has stayed with hockey and has played at high levels or are currently playing at high levels or going to play at high levels and I've always stayed in touch with them uh, when I went you know back and played and I go into town I, I visit some of those families I, I love Reading Phillies baseball games so it's, it's the summer and I'm going through usually stop last year we camped at you know larry's rink over in lancaster then hit a reading phillies game stopped by ty loftus's house saw his family and some other families and um i just got strong ties to that area it was a big part of my life a big part of my career both coaching and playing so um that part's important and then uh the tier three junior team in charlotte has become one of the strongest programs in the country uh for that level if, if not the strongest and um 
to give kids from Berks County an opportunity to come down and experience what it's like to play in Charlotte, um, for me, is great. It's just uh, this long connection I have to Reading and, and helping the kids and families there, and, and they're helping the brands in which I've coached um, succeed. So Ty's coming down this year. Uh, he had a great season. He's really taken off in his career. Um, we've had uh, London Strickler, who played for me with the Junior Royals. Ty played Junior Royals. Um, Bartuzic is another one who's going to be coming to play in Charlotte, who played for me with the Royals. Um, Sky Swavely lives part-time in Reading, part-time in Scranton. He played years for me uh, in Charlotte. Logan Baldwin, as a Wilson kid, he played for me in Charlotte. Um, you know, and his his grandfather, Irv Bressler, was a, a huge uh, constant for me in my life in Reading, and he's got the auto spa and owned that, and season ticket holder. And um, So there's just been this long connection somehow, and that place is a second home to me. And um, those kids are now, it's pretty cool to see them go from being so little and small and you know parents having to carry their bags and tie their skates to they're going to be driving into charlotte to play and then move on to college so it's uh it's a pretty cool lineage and and pipeline from reading to charlotte it's really cool too because just even you know hearing you talk about it obviously you're really invested with um you know the robert morris being the assistant coach there but you're also so invested still in helping to teach the you know next generation of guys that are still trying to find their way and they might have you know division three or division one aspirations what what do you think continues to you know motivate you to be so involved with you know not just the Berks County guys connections there but all these young guys lives and help them carve out a path before they even start thinking about college I think it's just a passion for one, the level and, and two, the game. And it's the game has been everything to me. I, I, I didn't have anyone that played before me and my family and stuff. And this game's given me everything, uh, lifelong friends, experiences, college education, uh, jobs, a paycheck, um, different cities, travel. I mean, the, the game's given me everything. And, um, I think that level, the junior level in particular, um, kids are making so many life decisions whether it's their first time taking an act or sat or first time moving away from home and living with a family or first time breaking up with a girlfriend or you know parents going through a divorce i mean these are all things you deal with on a daily basis that kids need some guidance with it's not just about hey dump the puck in here and go get it and um i like being able to make an impact on their lives that way and um, you know, Charlotte's a great place to live for some of these kids. It's a great league to play in. Um, so to be able to provide kids an avenue there where I, I know they're going to be taken care of and they're going to be in right hands on and off the ice uh, is important to me. And those relationships I built early on at the junior level uh, are no different than the relationships I have with, you know, Ty Loftus and Logan Baldwin's and kids that I coached years ago. You just, you find a connection to some kids and they become lifelong friends. So, um, it's been really neat for me, and, and I wouldn't want to have any other job in the world. To uh, finish up with just a few quick sort of this or that fun ones here. So uh, yeah, yeah. you have to uh, pick one place you're going to get. You're going to get dinner in Reading with uh, anywhere around the Reading area with uh, whoever. Where are you? Uh, what, what restaurant you staking out at and, uh, and why? Uh, it depends on the day. Um, I would say – Santino's uh, was right by my house uh, that I had Italian joint little Italian joint um, great food night before a game um, if I'm going to eat dinner after a game and particularly a Saturday with no Sunday game 
uh, railroad house was uh, was a big fan of the railroad house. Spent a lot of time there. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to ask the railroad house question next. So uh, I know the cheesesteaks are there are good, and you know Jimmy treats the uh, treats the boys well in a variety of ways. You love coming on the show then back in the day, coming on the uh, Royals Radio Recon with Tomer and the boys. Yeah, that was uh, I mean that was great. I I spent a lot more nights than Radio Recon at uh, at the railroad house, and yeah, Jimmy's great, unbelievable. The the steak is great. Um, cheese steak the pierogies with the cajun seasoning is uh is a must um and then just the just the whole vibe and the live music and the trivia is just uh i, I love that place i was gonna say now how's uh how's barbecue down in uh down in charlotte any really good places that if a royals fans uh coming down there to north carolina that's like a must stop at for some good southern some good southern eats you know there's not like people ask that all the time there's what goes on kind of in my neighborhood stuff is everyone's got these green eggs now and everyone likes to do their own homemade barbecue and stuff like that. Like in Charlotte particular, there's no, like, if you go to Charlotte, you got to eat here. It's uh, it's a lot of chains and, you know, downtown there's a couple of little spots like that, but mostly what I found here is uh, it's like neighbors invite you over. Hey, I'm going to put something on my green egg. That's going to take, you know, 10 hours to cook, come over and, they become like social events it's all i guess you know homemade real barbecue and stuff and and neighbors kind of competing in that regard so that's what i found here so if any any of them are passing through just come to my place and and we'll just do it in the backyard when you said green egg at first it took me a second because i knew what you were talking about but i was like no like eggs are either brown or white but then i realized you were talking about (laughs) like the thing that the barbecue you know the cookout thing that you actually barbecue yeah conventional oven slow cooker i mean there's these, some of these guys do brisket and stuff i we did i did one not too long ago um takes about you know 10 hours 12 hours and you do it overnight and you can smell it down the whole block so um like i said it's more uh, home eating and anyone from Reading's more than welcome to come have some food here Ryan, this was fun. A uh, good 35 minutes or so here. I uh, really appreciate you coming on, and I'll kind of give you the final word here if there's any any shout-outs, anyone you want to say, you know, thank you, hi to, whatever. So uh, I'll let you, have the, uh, let you have the floor here to finish up. Well, no, I really appreciate you having me. This has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, obviously, you know, former teammates and, and coaches and, and those guys, um, I had a great career there, great experience, and thank all of them, support staff, you know, um, you know, Brian Grogreski was our, our athletic trainer my whole time there. His son's actually playing down in Charleston, and um, he's another Burks kid that I have now sent down to the south to play. And I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Grog's taking care of my body, who's now with Lehigh Valley. Um, you know, not all the guys, Swaves, all my body's own buddies. Um, and then, uh, you know, I want to thank you. And Pat Richards is a great man. Say hello to him. And obviously, Tomer. I miss him and, and really everybody. It's too many to mention. Spent too many years there. A lot of great, you know, fans that became friends, friends that became family. And um, I love Reading. I look forward to being back there. Obviously, really excited about the 20th anniversary season and um, glad that Reading could have such an impact on my life. And, and I definitely miss it.